right, hello, and welcome to episode 16 of By the Numbers. I sound unsure about that. It's because I am. <laughs> Always have to look it up live on the air. Yes, this is episode 16 of By the Numbers. Once again, I'm James Carlson, and I welcome back my co-host, Alex McNabb. How are you, Alex? Uh, well, I'm a little bit sick. Uh, probably a, a terror bioweapon. I guess I should go attack the guy in the strip. Yeah. I mean, yeah, why, why, I'm, why I'm, I'm going to put this on the Palestinians, those terrorists over there. <laughs> Why attack the Gaza Strip when you can just go assault a homeless man? Learn, right. from, oh, yeah. no, learn start, from the boomer. we we got to stick to tradition here because we're going to talk about American atrocities and what better place to begin than homegrown American atrocities committed by our favorite demographic. Um, <laughs> the boomer. This morning I was scrolling through my news feed and I happened to see a headline. headline was titled, California Jogger Filmed Himself Killing Homeless Man Who Blocked Sidewalk. And immediately, I knew it was a boomer, based on the description. Somebody, allegedly a jogger, filming themselves killing a homeless person. There's only one group of people, well, maybe two, that would do that. Anyway. Right. It was funny, at, for the for the audience, Alex slapped that into our prep chat, and I just read the link title, and I'm like, this is going to be some boomer. Alex wouldn't send this to me unless it was a boomer. So I the, opened the article, and it's... Craig Sumner Elliott, 68, was jogging with a two-dog. This is weird. I, this, there's just so much going on here. Was jogging with his two dogs and pushing a cart on the 28th of September when he came across Antonio Garcia Avalos, 40, who was sleeping in the middle of the sidewalk, prosecutors in Orange County, California said. There's a lot going on there just to start. Yeah, because it sounds like he was, uh, I guess... It says nudging him with the bush cart. I'm going to assume he was like ramming his bush cart into him, right? Like probably was yelling at him, "Get off the sidewalk!" <laughs> and of course, you know, the homeless guy when he wakes up, he's not in a very good mood. God only knows like what particular racial demographic he belongs to. But then he he throws his shoes at him, I guess. So maybe this was like an Arab terrorist. Isn't that what they do? Is they throw shoes at people? Right, right. Yeah, maybe that's what happened here. Is uh, he had like a George W. Bush moment. He had a shoe thrown at him, but unlike <laughs> Bush, he had a, a gun in that little Bush cart, so he pulled it out and shot him three times. And three times? My God, I didn't even know. Filmed himself. I really struggle to understand what goes through the boomer brain. Like, I'm going to record myself committing a felony. Well, let even more than <laughs> even more than that. Let's try to put yourself in. You have. A push cart. Now, I, I'm thinking something like a shopping cart, but maybe it was smaller. But still. No, it's, it's one of those little jogging carts, probably. You ever see these, these people? But usually they have like a kit or something in them. No, I've, I'm little, not little, familiar uh, with this. I'm gonna go runners, runners have these weird little contraptions like that that they'll have stuff inside of sometimes. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is weird. Yeah. Anyway, so you're – but still, you're pushing a thing. You have a thing that you're pushing. Somehow you're also managing two dogs. Yeah. And <laughs> – and you pull out a firearm and murder someone like there's kind of the other thing is like given this description so he's got some sort of like little little runner cart thing he's he's pushing in front of him he's got the two dogs so he's taking up the whole sidewalk like if you were just a normal human trying to ambulate upon that sidewalk you would have to get off of it to let this fucker go back, go past right, right? You have to step into the room <laughs> Yeah, you would. You you absolutely would. Yes. <laughs> so, 
whether or not the homeless guy is even in the way or not, like if he's got even like his foot on the sidewalk, he's going to have to move. But anyway, uh, I thought that was a good little intro to discussing like the United States and war crimes. It's just a, the typical behavior of older Americans in, in our native country here. Murder a homeless man on the street for no, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the way this, ambush. The, the way this reads, it reads like a cold, like he just carried out a cold blooded murder. Like, right. And it, this connects to, this connects to the American boomer who killed the people in Panama. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah. are in, you are in my way. I am slightly inconvenienced. Therefore, I'm going to shoot you. That is the same exact mentality. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could find some data on this because I think boomers are getting more violent. I'm beginning to wonder. Like, beginning to wonder. It, it seems like they're killing more people. And, you know, it's like the the predictable thing is they always kill somebody that's of lower social status that's usually in a helpless position. Like this guy, I guess he's laying on the sidewalk, he gets shot, right. and he's homeless. That's that's like the thing that's the number one thing that predicts to me if a boomer did it. If it's like a if it's somebody who is unarmed and of lower social status or perceived lower social status, then yeah, it's going to be a boomer responsible. Yes, I would agree. And it, it seems like there's more of this now. Fr- frankly, I'm really just shocked that they don't just routinely kill people working at fast food places. It surprises me. We're going to have to look into this because I wonder because how. Because I, I would have guessed that even versus like uh, African Americans, boomers would be much more violent towards fast food workers. Well, my, my bet is they are. We're going to have to look into this. I would, <laughs> I would guess that uh, violence against service personnel is. Uh, People who commit that violence are of an unusually old demographic. I'm gonna bet. I, I'm yeah. gonna put cloud on that right now. We're gonna look into this in the future because I'm betting on. Yeah. All right. Gonna... Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so that's the that's the, the native atrocities. I guess we got to talk about the United <laughs> the States and what. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about international boomerism now. The United States, it's basically big boomer jogging along with its its dogs and it's got its uh its entire military Heart industrial complex. Shit. Yeah, a cart full of military industrial complex and pulls that out. <laughs> You're in my Throws way. You're United States. <laughs> getting America's way and it pulls out the military industrial complex and it bombs you into the Stone Age. And films itself doing it. <laughs> yes, it does. It actually does. It films it does. itself it doing it. It unironically does. And then, and then when it turns it, and then, then of course, uh, the article about Elliot here says he had a concealed carry permit. America is, you know, the sort of the global policeman, right? Like you're permitted mm-hmm. to do this in a sense. Like I'm allowed to they kill re- you. Bang. They, they wrote themselves a, a, a concealed military industrial complex permit. <laughs> yes. Yes. They pushed along in their fucking cart with the. Yeah. Got a problem. Anyway. Get out of my way. <laughs> It fits. It fits. So the, the 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 thing that I wanted to run with here is that since the year 2000, basically this century, the one we're living in right now, right. Post the United 9/11. States, yeah, post 9/11, sure, but moreover, this 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 century, in this time period, in this era, the United States is the largest terrorist state on earth. Oh, by far, by far. There, we we have done more ca- civilian casualties, just more casualties in general, than any other country, which makes it all the more ridiculous. The United States talks about somebody exporting terrorism. I'm like, what? But what, what are you? Right. What What are you doing when you airstrike an Iraqi I mean, wedding? Right? The problem like, with with terrorism as a uh, <clears throat> a form of <laughs> military expression, right, is that it causes a lot of civilian casualties. Isn't that the the main issue with terrorism? It impacts civilian populations. 
Well, what does the United States do? I mean, if you're if if you are causing more civilian casualties allegedly to stop terrorism, I think you kind of have lost the plot. Yeah, absolutely. You can't. You cannot go in front of the world. America does this anyway, but go in front of the world and say that the goal of terrorism is to kill kill innocent people and sow fear, and then launch something like a shock and awe. And then, like, go bomb a wedding, kill right. like two people at a wedding. What are you, well, America, if you are not a terrorist? Stop the terrorists. Right. What are you if you're not a terrorist state? And in the perfect example of this, as you said, this century, there was the Brown University study, which drew on mostly United Nations data that says America has killed 4.5 to 4.6 million, million people in its post-2000, uh, post-9-11 military interventions. A million of those casualties were direct, which is still quite a bit. And then 3.6 million to 3.7 million of them were indirect causes from, you know, the general deterioration of the country. But it's still there. It's still America's fault. It doesn't matter if you didn't shoot them in the head. If they're, if you blew up their water supply and they all died, it's still your fault. Yeah, I mean, breaking breaking those numbers down, like so, you've got like the direct civilian casualties. My understanding is that when we went into Iraq and in our second little campaign involving Iraq, uh, which is like what two thousand three, there were, I believe, seven thousand direct civilian casualties during the initial operation, which actually doesn't sound as terrible when you compare it to like Israel, who's probably well in the excess of eleven thousand or twelve thousand by now. Yeah, they're going to be somewhere. But, but we didn't do what we did in the Gulf War, where we did like a military policing action and just left. No, we stayed in Iraq and continued to cause problems for years Decades, and years literally. and years. <clears throat> and, of course, uh, I guess one of the things to kind of pay close attention to when you look at this stuff is that what the United States does is they they destabilize the region. So even if you had someone in charge who perhaps you disagree with the way they run their country, at least they, they have a nation state that is mostly put together, you know. United States goes in there, smashes all of that, so now you've got these various militant groups that are fighting and causing more civilian casualties. You've basically disrupted the ecosystem. It's kind of like doing like ecological damage to something. You've, you've upset the natural order of things, and so now you're going to have excess deaths and excess civilian casualties just on that account. Right, you've introduced fragility. Is what you've done. Yeah. And America did this in Iraq and it did this in Afghanistan and it did this in Libya and arguably other places like Somalia, although that's outside our timeline. This is, this is what America does in these interventions. It's yeah, not that, yeah, there's like the direct interventions and then there's us supporting one side and then there's like limited right. little operation. There, I, there, there's far more stuff I think than the average person even knows about. The U.S. engages in overseas. Like at this point in the American Empire, is a regular peasant. It's hard to keep track of what they are doing abroad, like where they are, what they're blowing up, who they're giving guns to. And that was like, oh man, it's a whole other thing. Question of like, how many weapons are we giving to people? How many weapons are we selling? Because we're we're not just we're not just whacking people with the military industrial complex. We're using it to churn out weapons and ammunition, and then we're giving it to people. Right. I mean, how many how many people remember Operation? Enduring Freedom, I mean, a, a lot of people might remember Enduring Freedom as part of the involvement in Afghanistan, but there was also an, an Operation Enduring Freedom that went on in the Horn of Africa post 
2004 or something like that. And America was involved in Sudan and Somalia and Ethiopia and Eritrea and Kenya and the Seychelles. Like, what American ever voted for anyone to do this? Yeah. Who ever yeah, well, said, was, like, just... I want to combat terrorism in fucking... That's another uh, thing. A lot of analysts have pointed this out that we have, we live in an era now where they just engage in military operations and there's not really it's not really sort of democratic control of this. Oh, there's no oversight at all. Like not not that there ever was a great degree of it, but these days there's just none, none whatsoever. The United States just unilaterally goes and does things. Yes, absolutely, and it arms <laughs> people, and the blowback. Every time the blowback happens, America, you know, the public is sort of taken off guard if there's any blowback. And, of course, the the state just says nothing. Like, we should not tell them that we armed that group in the past. Say nothing. Don't CIA say nothing. Like, this is this is a reoccurring theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't say anything until, I don't know, 50 years from now. Then you can right, do it. Right. We'll declassify it then, partially. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, is, I, you know, it, it is the sort of modus operandi of the American empire. Go into place, arm a bunch of people, kill a bunch of people. It doesn't get any better, and sometimes, so, only sometimes, do you leave. Yeah. Because yeah, America, kind of America sticking gen- around, right? America Pl- generally maintains permanent presence in these places. Yeah, yeah. They they have they have their push cart to keep over there, and they, they go <laughs> up and down the sidewalk. And <laughs> America has uh, stashes all over the world that we visit with the push cart and refill them every once in a while. <laughs> like, Kill a homeless man on the way. I mean, what's my, my favorite? I think that just I mean I don't know. This country it's so evil. Like I grew up uh, during nine eleven, and unlike a lot of people, I was I was against doing any, anything in the Middle East. I was not even slightly motivated by the attack on <clears throat> the uh, World Trade Center because I was a Southerner, and I just really just didn't give a flying fuck about what happened in New York. <laughs> <laughs> like me and me and my dad, I'll never forget this. We were at the sawmill and we found out this had happened. We we're like, ah, oh, wow, huh? Uh, sucks for you, I guess. <laughs> oh no! Anyway, it's yeah. The, oh no! Anyway, the, uh, Jeremy Clark <laughs> so, meme. <laughs> oh, no. anyway. Yeah, I mean, li- li- no one in my family felt particularly motivated to like because we we had relatives that were like, "Are your kids going to join the military?" And my parents just laughed. Like, no, <laughs> of course not. But anyway, so we go and we invade Iraq in 2003, and the justification was like, oh, weapons of mass destruction. And within two years, the CIA had to admit, no, there were no weapons of mass destruction. And before it was all said and done, literally everybody had to admit that there were no weapons of mass destruction. So this was an entire war founded on a lie that caused heinous civilian casualties. Like, what, are we talking excess of a million, according to some reports? Yeah, so that's the interesting. You have the uh, ORB survey, which was over a million excess deaths. There, there are other ones which report four hundred sixty thousand. That was the P mm-hmm. TLSO medical. Yep. And then you you have other studies which are six hundred fifty five thousand. So the range here seems to be about half a million to a million people dead in Iraq, and. I, you know, I know a lot of people might say a lot, it's boomers, you know, you get that hate, you get that heinous sort of boomer mm-hmm. attitude, which is like, ah, we should have turned the place into a parking lot. Well, you did, and you filled the parking lot with bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, I think on the conservative estimate, it's a, it's a few hundred thousand 
and then over a million, depending on which way you look at the data. Right. Either way, it's not even really relevant because, like, what other country competes with us when it comes to that kind of kill count? None. You won't. You can't. You cannot find one in the modern era. Israel. You just can't. Israel is as vicious. Do not get me wrong. Israel is as Israel's more vicious, but it, it has never racked up statistics like this. And they don't stack bodies the way the United States does. No, absolutely not. Because America does it for them. That's the other thing to remember. Mm-hmm. Sort of throughout the whole process, True. looking at these countries, America is invading these states on behalf of what are core Israeli interests, basically. Well, anyway, the point I want to get to is uh, you had an entire war with at least hundreds of thousands of civilian casualties, maybe a million, who knows, and there were no repercussions for starting this war based on a lie. No repercussions. George W. Bush is still a public figure that increasingly seems to have more approval than he ever did. He joked, but did you see the video where he joked about the... Mm-hmm. His his Freudian slip where he said uh, the war in Iraq was based on a lie, and he meant to say the war in Ukraine, and he, he just yeah. laughed. The whole room laughed. Yeah. Like everyone, we are at the point as, as as our political class is at a point where they murdered somewhere between half a million and a million people in Iraq, and their response to the response to it at this point is like, ha yeah, that's kind that was that was a mistake, wasn't it? Oopsie, like you know they're doing like the shoulders up in the air, like well we we fucked that one up, ha ha, like. Yeah. No, no shit. Yeah. That that's the part that I find the most interesting is that there's just not any any real repercussions for a country invading another country based purely on lies for reasons that are only really obvious to anyone if you've read the PNAC document. And they they inflict massive civilian casualties, they disrupt the region. It's still disrupted for like twenty years. And well, it's actually more than if you include the first Gulf War. But anyway, do all of this. Based on a lie, and no one, no one really loses that much face over it. No political careers are really destroyed. It's just uh, another day in Washington. Yeah, no one has had, no one has, no American official, as far as I'm aware, has had a I mean, career ended over this. These these families that sent their sons over there. I mean, were they not not pissed off to find out the entire war had nothing behind it? I don't know. I don't know either. I, 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 I certainly don't recall recall there being that much public outrage about it. I mean, we maintained military operations there for an extended period of time. It wasn't like there was a huge public outcry to get back out of Iraq. No, the anyway. American, my understanding is that the American public did it, on Iraq in particular, it was a very slow move from bloodthirsty warmongering, including from the public. I mean, there you look at the opinion polling at the time, a lot of people wanted... Uh, I, uh, from my recollection, people just wanted to go over there and kill Arabs. Yeah, and, and frankly, I don't. I mean, for a lot of them, it didn't matter if if there was legitimate reason to invade Iraq. I agree. I, mean, with I was, I was very dumbfounded by it at the time because I was, especially in retrospect, when you look at Osama bin Laden, it's like, wait a minute. So we're supposed to be taking revenge on Osama bin Laden, who's born in Saudi Arabia and is living in like Afghanistan or somewhere. So you invade Iraq. How does this make sense? Now, and I remember getting an argument with people about this, and they're like, I just don't understand the point. <laughs> you got to explain this to me. <laughs> Dead Muslims. Yeah, Dead and it's going to bless the whole place. Yes, I, I remember having Boomer family members at the time. Some of the earliest political discussions, because remember, I'm only 24. Some of the earliest political discussions I am able to remember from being a kid was people 
certain people in my family saying, we're going to turn that place into a fucking parking lot. And they're like, all excited. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, yeah. and, and, you know, I didn't have any opinion out at the time, but you reflect back now. You're like, wow, I can't, <laughs> you fucking bloodthirsty maniac, aren't you? Like, good God. They, are. They, they truly are. And America continues to be an empire, uh, which goes around and kills people. One of the, one of the conflicts, is still ongoing that interests me the most is in Yemen where about 400,000 people have died and most of the deaths are because people have starved to death because America mm-hmm. because America and Saudi Arabia are prosecuting a blockade against the country so resources right. can't get in and out and also of course America is pulling F35s and various other forms of ordinance out of its military industrial complex push cart and throwing them at Saudi Arabia yeah. and saying, here you go, go kill, go kill the Yemenis. <laughs> the Houthis, they're targeting the Houthis in particular, but I'm not interested in the internal politics of it. I'm interested in the fact that it's another conflict where almost half a million people have died that America is intricately involved in. And you, you won't hear this ever talked about ever. Hmm. No one's discussing no. what America did in Yemen. <laughs> no, there's 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 very little uh, focus on what the United States does abroad. Very, it's it's, it, it's kind of interesting. It feels like there's there's less criticism of this stuff now than there was in the early 2000s because you would see you'd see at least some sort of uh, <clears throat> examination of this at some point. I mean, I remember Stephen Colbert, uh, The Daily Show, all of that stuff was just busy lampooning George W. Bush. It's sort of the brutality of the American military operation, but increasingly, I don't see that kind of thing anymore. I don't see the sort of the, the anti-war rhetoric that, that was taking place on the left, because of course this was all just left-wing outlets that were doing it. But yeah, oh, yeah um, I, haven't there was seen, a, I haven't seen that since the San- really the 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign was the last time that there was a very serious popular as an sort of organized popular anti-war. Well, I, mean, it was, really I think it. it was left totally bankrupt by the Ukrainian conflict. Oh yeah. That, that killed left-wing resistance to war. I agree entirely. I'm going to war now. You're going to turn Russia into a parking lot. <laughs> but it's, it, it's fascinating when you look at Yemen, you know, I'm looking at, at some stuff on the, on airstrikes and the Yemeni conflict and you, you know, Taiz airstrike hit a health center in Taiz, wounding nine people. Now, remember, America is supplying all the bombs for this stuff. All of all of Saudi Arabia's mm-hmm. military technology comes from America. Uh, August of 2016, after the collapse of a UN-sponsored ceasefire, Saudi-led intervention in Yemen destroyed a hospital. Oper- <laughs> destroyed a hospital. Twenty-six patients died in the surgery ward. I, fuck. Uh, airstrike on a cholera. Airstrike on a cholera treatment center in Ahab. <laughs> that was a Doctors Without Borders uh, medical location. A cholera treatment center, a surgical ward. Hayata Hospital airstrike on uh, August 2018. Airstrikes on a hospital harbor and fish market in El Hayata killed uh, 55 oh. people and wounded 120. And, and, and this is all happening with the explicit permission and support of the American state. Yeah, so I guess the background for this is you've got some sort of civil conflict in Yemen and Saudi Arabia is backing one side. or Right. And apparently they really like to bomb hospitals and cholera treatment centers. This feels very uh, reminiscent of what they did with Syria. Oh my goodness, I, if we got into American airstrikes in Syria, we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> 
my God, American Air Jesus. We'd, I mean, it's it's sort of like because I mean we could do a whole thing on the military industrial complex sometime, but the, just the sheer size of the U.S. military allows it to engage in all the in more operations than a normal human being could reasonably keep track of. It's it's a it's almost scary how huge the U.S. military is and how much they can do, how many places they can be involved in at one time. Because that's kind of the thing. It's like they're they're everywhere. They're engaged in constant constant action all over the place. Oh, there's always there's always a drone flying somewhere, more than one. Yeah. But it, it, Africa right now, the Middle East, you name it. These America has aircraft carriers parked off of off the coast of Israel, just waiting to see. Yeah, if they, yeah, they need yeah, to get involved. It's like the they they relo- relocate a huge number of of aircraft carriers, and I mean the United States Navy and all that stuff immediately like reallocates everything. The, the public was not consulted about this. Like, hey, do you guys, uh, do you guys reasonably want to get involved in what might potentially become World War Three? Sound like a good plan? Uh, also, we're going to give them like fifteen billion dollars, uh, and we're going to give them ammunition, and we're going to reload their Iron Dome for them. Oh, you don't have clean, you don't have clean drinking water in your town. Well, that's kind of sad. Is <laughs> uh, you don't have a hospital? Oh, Israel really needs missiles. Yeah, look, we're in the missile business. We're not in the life-saving business. So this is a point I made in our prep. This is at the bottom of the prep, but I'm happy to I'm happy to skip down here now before we go on to the next conflict. In post 9/11 wars, America has spent about eight trillion dollars. We have some of the worst infrastructure in the developed world. We have had almost 200 rural hospital closes, ped- hospitals close, pediatric care units all over this country are closing. Every fucking year, and America has spent eight trillion dollars on war, foreign mm-hmm. war. Like, what? I don't. What do you even say to that? There's, there, there is nothing to say to it. That is the perfect demonstration of true policy priorities. They do not care if your child can't get to a pediatric care unit in the state of Massachusetts. Well, I mean, there, there was a case. I just got refreshed on this because I've been taking a lot of training to maintain certain professional certifications I have, but. There, there was a case in 2017 where a young man, he turns 21, so he goes off his parents' insurance. Well, he was a type 1 diabetic, so now he's got to pay for his own insulin, which he can't really afford. His job doesn't have insurance that covers it, so he starts rationing his insulin. And of course, uh, this leads to his death. So then his mom has to, has to basically <clears throat> come up with some legislation and get some backers and try to, try to do something about this situation, because in America, you could be born with a particular health disorder and be an otherwise functional member of society, and we're just not going to keep you alive. We're, we're not going to do anything to help you out. Uh, you, if you can't afford a, a medication you need to keep you alive, that's tough shit. We got missiles that we need to pull out of our pushcart and fling somewhere in the Middle East. Yeah, there's no insulin in the pushcart. <laughs> <laughs> there's no insulin in the pushcart. Oh, healthier. <laughs> Nothing but weapons. <laughs> right, exactly. There's ordinance yeah. in the pushcart. There's not insulin in the pushcart. Are you stupid? Yeah. Like, that, America, the policy priorities are on full display. And I, I also think it's worth mentioning for some of the, the, the government spending spurs. The mm. national debt is about $34 trillion. About 25% of the total of the national debt is America's war spending. Well, the other thing, I don't want to hear anything about the national debt because it's like what almost it's it's over doubled in the last ten fifteen years something like that. Oh, it, oh yeah, it every admi- it's doubling almost every administration. It, it really is an abstract number. It it isn't relevant as a way to, as a excuse for not providing like a public service. Just it just isn't. The only That's very time, true. 
That's very the only true. time they bring up the national debt is when they want to deny their own citizens something. Right. You're, you're oh, correct. turn my pockets inside out. I can't afford that. That's a much better point, actually. The, the much better point is that this very large, very abstract number only it is only made politically useful when they want to say to the American people, like, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. Yeah. Now, if, if Raytheon needs some money, they're going to get it. God, Raytheon's going to get Raytheon's going to get forty two billion dollars a fucking year. Maybe you should go ask Raytheon for some yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wish God I don't remember, but we we had talked about it earlier. Raytheon gets more money from the United States government than NASA does or the Small Business Administration every year, and that's that profit. That's just profit. I <laughs> thought Republicans love small business. Apparently they don't. Apparently they like, they like Raytheon a lot more than. Apparently they're like, they're like "Fuck your small business! I'm going to give money to Raytheon." <laughs> Fuck your small business. Fuck your small business is their position. Yes, it is. It, so, it absolutely is. While just they like have, just like "Fuck your small farm" was also their position, and they succeeded in destroying small farming. So yes, you did that. We did that in episode one or two. People should go back and yeah, listen. and and now they've moved on to your small business. Absolutely. You'll, you'll, you will have nothing. You'll be on the sidewalk, and then you're going to get shot by a boomer. So there you go. <laughs> get shot by a boomer. You're going to get shot by a black guy, and uh, you are <laughs> going to go into medical debt. But the important thing is that uh, the important thing is that Northrop Grumman is able to continue to manufacture jet planes. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, and precision, precision guided ordnance. Yes, <laughs> like we we are a functional in, in the in the eyes of the American elite. It is a functional country as long as. Uh, machines of war are still being produced. Mm-hmm. Like we we have succeeded as a nation state as long as that is still occurring. And yeah. it is. Hellfire missiles. That's what the United States is about. <laughs> Hellfire missiles. <laughs> it was, we would be better off. I think we would be better off if if the political class was just honest about this. You know what? We should we should, we should change the flag. It should just be like a dildo crossed over Hellfire missile. <laughs> Dildos and Hellfire missiles. Yes, now you understand be, the United States. It would be more honest, I think. And HRT. I, Don't forget HRT. i got to put that my, in there, too. That, one kind of health care we, we might get behind is HRT. My position, my position whenever they're honest, whenever a politician says something honest about American policy priorities, I always, I, I'm always kind of thankful. Like, yeah, thank you. I can't be mad at you. You were honest. Like, yes, you care more about Israel than the United States. Okay. We're, I, I'm happy that we're, we are at this point of agreement. I think you're a dirty traitor, but I'm happy that we've reached this point. Like, that's how I look at it. And it, it, it's very frustrating to me that so few people even have, they have no cons. I mean, we can move on to the next. Yeah, so there, there's this article, it's very long, uh, to New York Times called Hidden Pentagon Records Real Patterns of Failure and Deadly Airstrikes. I thought it was kind of interesting. Bad. Because the, there's there's certain things going on in how people perceive the military and just perceive technology in general. Like, well, you know, technology is super ultra sophisticated, so it's, uh, it means that healthcare is scientific and it doesn't make mistakes. And also, the military has laser guided precision munitions, and they are super accurate. And they only kill terrorists. They're not going to call it civilian casualties, or if they do, it'll be minimal. And of course, that's all bullshit. No, civilian <laughs> casualties are the norm. Yeah, they are it's all bullshit. The norm. And this like, was a this was a fantastic article. And um, he opened see, it with a bunch of examples. Yeah, I was going to say you can see this uh, in the, the current conflict in the Gaza Strip because on one hand, there's the perception that, that Israel has these precision guided weapons and they're just they're just going after Hamas and they're 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 very technological. 
But then on the other, they're also bombing the place to the parking lot. It's like, okay, which is it? Right, they've destroyed, I think it's up to, it was a third, now I think it's more like 45% of... I think, yeah, 45% is about right. All structures in the entire Gaza Strip. So your precision-guided missile, your precision-guided ordnance are now no different than carpet bombing. Mm -hmm. I don't know... Why are we spending hundreds of thousands of dollars? It just makes it easier to to hit this huge building over here. Right. (laughs) We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on these precision-guided missiles when we could have just been giving you 10-ton bombs. Anyway, the thing I thought was kind of interesting, this kind of ties back into the thing we have the show with here, is uh, repeatedly the documents point to the psychological phenomena of confirmation bias, the tendency to search for and interpret information in a way that confirms the pre-existing belief. People streaming toward a fresh bombing site were assumed to be ISIS fighters, not civilian rescuers. Men on motorcycles moving in formation, that's scare quotes, displaying the signature of an imminent attack were just men on motorcycles. Uh, often the danger to civilians is lost in the cultural gulf separating American soldiers and local populace. No civilian presence was detected when, in fact, families were sleeping through the days of the Ramadan fast, sheltering inside against the midsummer swelter or gathering a single house for protection when the fighting intensified. Or, you know, maybe maybe you've got the homeless guy who's sleeping on the sidewalk. He's not he's not he's not actually there to ambush you. Right. <laughs> the homeless guy sleeping on the sidewalk. Right, right. But no detectable threat, but you immediately view this these yeah. things as confirmation of like there's a human in front of me, he's a threat. Bang bang. Uh, <laughs> there are and, people moving through the desert, they're a threat. Yeah. In many cases, civilians were visible in surveillance footage, but their presence was either not observed by analysts or was not noted in communications for a strike. In chat logs accompanying some assessment, soldiers can sound as if they are playing video games. In one case, expressing glee over getting to fire in an area ostensibly popping with ISIS fighters without spotting the children in their midst. Oh, my God. And I think down but- at the bottom here, they had uh, some of the quotes. Oh, man. Well, while you look for that, I'll read out the examples from the start of the article because they're very yep. il- they're very illustrative. Shortly before 3 a.m. on July 19, 2016, the American Special Operations Forces bombed what they believed were three ISIS staging areas outside on the outskirts of Tokhar, a riverside hamlet in northern Syria. They reported 85 fighters killed. In fact. They hit houses far from the front line where farmers, their families, and other local people sought nighttime sanctuary from bombing and gunfire. More than 120 villagers were killed. I mean, my God. It was a staging area. It was a staging area, Alex. In early uh, 2017 in Iraq, an American warplane struck a dark-colored vehicle believed to be a car bomb, stopped in an intersection in the Wadi Hajar neighborhood of West Mosul. Actually, the car had been bearing not a bomb, but a man named Majid Muhammad Ahmed, his wife and their two children, who were fleeing the fighting nearby. They and three other civilians were killed in November. Go ahead. It just it just it's it, like right now it's happening in real time in the Gaza Strip. Like you flee yes. one area and then you get bombed because you've clustered together in the next area. Except it's even worse because you're explicitly told to go to this next area. Like go, go to the south of Gaza. Get out of the north, go south. Oh, you're in the south now? Okay, we're going to bomb all of you. Yep. In November 2015, after observing a man dragging an unknown heavy object into an ISIS defensive fighting position, quote-unquote, an American, American forces struck a building in Ramadi, Iraq, 
A military review found that the object was actually a person of small stature, a child who died in the airstrike. None of wow. these deadly fa- failures resulted in a finding of wrongdoing. The, the, dro- the trove of documents, the military's own confidential assessments of more than 1,300 reports of civilian casualties obtained by the New York Times lays bare how the air war has been marked by deeply flawed intelligence, rushed and often imprecise targeting, and the deaths of thousands of civilians, many of them children. I would like to add here that if you have misfired 1,300 times or you've been wrong 1,300 times and killed civilians more than 1,300 times, perhaps this is a strategy that you should think about stopping. But no one appears to have stopped for a single second and said, maybe this is a bad idea. No, 1,300 fuck-ups later. Well, there's no, like I'm saying, there's no consequences, though. You don't face consequences for, for doing this. Oh, of course not. No one's gone to, and that's something that should be made clear. No one has gone to jail. No one has gone before a court. Nothing, this, these 1300 misinformed airstrikes have not led to any sort of action in any way, shape, or form. One of these quotes here, in some cases, our assessment of the numbers of civilian casualties does not always match that of outside groups, and we acknowledge that those numbers may change over time as well. No, really. (laughs) (laughs) The sanitized language is really amazing here. The April 2018 Joint Chiefs of Staff examination of civilian deaths from airstrikes in the Middle East and Africa found that feedback to subordinate commands on the calls and or lessons learned from a civilian casualty incident is inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys, uh, you you bombed a wedding and you killed 50 people. Uh, Could you not do that again? Like that message, I guess, just is not making it down the chain of command. Yeah, it, it just doesn't get through. I mean, we Jeez. had more examples in our own chat. There was the Doctors Without Border Hospital that America airstruck. I think it was Afghanistan. Yeah, the Azizabad, the Azizabad airstrike, I believe, is the one I'm thinking about. I, I get them confused. I was there. There is one involving a AC-130 gunship. Um, they eventually had to admit that they were basically making use of some very inaccurate information and they've made some mistakes, but there was a, some sort of like doctors without borders trauma hospital and they obliterated it, destroyed it. Yes. I, I think I am. Oh, the Kun, the, wow. Kun does, Kun does hospital airstrike. This occurred in 2015. This occurred in Afghanistan. This was the, AC-130U call sign hammer assigned to the 4th Special Operations Squadron of the U.S. Air Force. Abs- I mean, they quite quite literally just reduced to dust a Doctors mm-hmm. Without Borders hospital and killed, oh my goodness, where was the death toll on this? I don't remember. Ten. <laughs> uh, hold on here. Uh, 42 people died. So trauma victims who were definitely injured in earlier conflicts, probably by United States weapons, they're, they're getting treatment, and then the United States finishes them off. Right, exactly. And then the one that a lot of people will probably still remember, this one, excuse me, I thought I was going to cough, when the when the United States military was pulling out of Afghanistan, or and it was after that one bomb had killed a bunch of soldiers, America had to act. So they airstruck mm-hmm. a terrorist vehicle, which was actually a van filled with 10 people, seven of whom were children and all of whom died. So this is the thing. It's like the Israel and the United States have a similarity here where if, if, if they take damage from something, 
They must respond. They have to retaliate. It's like just doctrine of retaliation. And apparently the accuracy of that retaliation absolutely does not matter. It's a van with seven children in it who gives a damn boom. Uh-oh. Right. Um, so, uh-oh. How many times can you say uh-oh before this becomes a serial behavior? Let's see. Oh, man. Yeah. And instead, often a resounding piece of evidence studied was video recorded the wake of a strike. Yet, just as poor insufficient footage frequently contributed to deadly targeting failures, so did it hamstring efforts to examine them. Often, the footage was only seconds or minutes long. In many cases, too brief to see rescuers carrying survivors from a collapsed building. Frequently, rescuers would wait before approaching a bombed area for fear of being misidentified and provoking a second strike, known in the military as a double tap. Often, images My were God. obscured by the smoke of the blast in an interview, speaking anonymously because of a non-disclosure agreement. An analyst who captured strike imagery said superior officers would often tell the cameras to look somewhere else because they knew they had just hit a bad target. <clears throat> so you do an airstrike. And you're like, oh, oopsie, whoopsie, that was a little fuckity-wuckity. And then you point your camera somewhere else because you don't want to see how many civilians you just murdered. Yeah, imagine the imagine the morale of the men who were flying <laughs> the, the drone. Like, you got a 26-year-old flying a drone, and he just blew up a fucking Well, that was something I want to talk brigade. about briefly, is that you've got generations of people who have grown up on video games. So if you were looking at footage of something... And you go into video game mode, you really don't care about civilians. You've probably played video games where either killing the civilians has no impact on what happens to your player character, or the civilians are immune to damage. I mean, video games you play, that's kind of a feature of some of them, so you just don't care. Right. You, All you care about is blowing up the bad guy. Walking. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you're a real sick fuck and you like blowing up civilians. Maybe you've done that in video you games. Mean a boomer? Right. <laughs> boomer like you civilian casualties please you you're like yeah i got yeah. another one yeah it's a bonus, it's a bonus. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. you know the only thing i can do is laugh because it's 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 it, the whole thing is i mean i do, I do kind of wonder about that like generations grown up on video games using this type of technology in combat is probably not good because you've already been conditioned I would us. agree, but but the callousness. I, I want to stress that the callousness is not new. I mean, look at the. Right. I, no, in, in part right. of our in part of our prep, I had linked the fam- the very famous clip of Hillary Clinton when she she was doing an interview when she learned Gaddafi died, and she we came he saw we came we saw he died, and she bust out laughing like that. That was number one. That's that's just plain evil. That's, yeah, that's that's no wonder she lost it to Trump in that that election. But, but number two, <laughs> number two, that callousness sort of exists in a broad range of mm-hmm. the American public. No, they're brutes. They're just brutes. Yeah, absolutely. What I, what I do kind of find a little bit interesting too is the the United States will will admit that they have made mistakes. And then just step over it. Uh, Israel doesn't do that. They just justify. They endlessly justify. It's self-justify. Like, yeah, we bombed the hospitals. So, you know, there were nothing but civilians in there. No, no, no. There were Hamas terrorists in there. You don't have any proof. No, no. Hamas terrorists. The, the doctor, the, the chief surgeon, he, he is leading a ring of Hamas terrorists. That's the, that's the main difference I see between these two in terms of how they handle what occurs whenever somebody tries to uh, hold them responsible for some of these egregious civilian casualties, these heinous acts. Like, the United States will occasionally admit that they made a mistake. And they kind of do, like, what the healthcare industry will do. Like, uh, yeah, that was a ooh, misdiagnosis there. Uh, 
yeah, anyway, uh, on to the next patient. Pressing forward. Oh, yeah, pressing forward. Yeah, I, I admit that was a mistake. Uh, yeah, we, we had the wrong lab values there. Yeah, we missed that. Oops. It's like, is anybody going to be uh, held responsible? Uh, no, not not really. <laughs> but the Iraq situation is the perfect example of the oops because America invades Iraq. It kills anywhere between a million and half a million uh-huh. people. And then ISIS comes about, and ISIS grew out of American prisons in Iraq. And what's the response to that? Oops. Right. Probably shouldn't right. have done that. That was a mistake. Ha ha. All of that stuff is ultimately America's fault. Yes, it is. ISIS is the fault of the United States. A lot of people have forgotten this. Yeah. You, you don't you don't get to go into a region, destroy it, uh, topple their government, and then claim innocence whenever you have a, a bunch of squabbling militant groups or uh, quote-unquote terrorist actions happening. You created that. You did this. Same thing with the Libyan Civil War. This Obama ordered the CIA to supply Gaddafi's opposition. It's the same thing with the Civil War in Syria. America has been... Supplying arms to several different Syrian mm-hmm. opposition groups. There was the famous case where, where the FBI and the CIA were arming two separate opposition groups who were also fighting <laughs> each other. <laughs> this is just this is just what the American state does. This is that giant. is that is just pure evil. It's like, are you sacrificing the, the blood of people to some sort of primitive demonic entity? Like what? These just, these organizations aren't communicating with each other though. They're just, right. they're just pursuing what they believe to be whatever is you know concocted to be of American interest, quote unquote. You know, the scary part is uh, a lot of that calculus is probably based on getting like their funding for next year. Like, well, we, yes, we, spent, we spent the money. We need more. Why'd you spend the money on? Don't worry about that. But yeah. Uh, sure, it's so popping there. Um, that is a big part of the calculus, actually. America has this, uh, the agencies at the end of every year in September, near the end of the fiscal year, go on massive spending sprees, hundreds mm-hmm. of billions of dollars, so that they can spend all of the money, then go to Congress and say, oh my gosh, we spent 90 billion, the Pentagon will do this in September, the Pentagon will say, oh my gosh, we just spent $90 billion on new weapon systems. Anyway, we need a $50 billion budget increase this mm-hmm. coming fiscal year. Like, they all do this. Right, right. And, and then meanwhile, you've got like these, uh, these, these <clears throat> policy analysts coming to them and saying, hey, you know, uh, Raytheon has, has given me money to do a bunch of research here, and I have concluded that you need to buy more weapons. The, the Rand Corporation yeah. of, uh, I was reading, uh, this was a year ago, I opened an article by the Rand Corporation, and at the very top of the article, it was like, sponsored by Boeing. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Seriously? This article is sponsored by, and the whole whole article was, we need more war, we need more now, more war now, oh my gosh, war. I'm like, holy shit. It's it's like, we, we, we asked the arms merchants, and they said that there's an axis of evil that is threatening to topple the United States and that we should buy more weapons. Like, but what did you expect? It would be very bizarre if you polled those people and they said, nah, things are good. Uh, actually, I think you have too many weapons. Don't, don't buy anything from us next year. Yeah, you need to, you need, we need, we need a, we need a year of spending off to refer. Yeah. <laughs> no need, there's no need for more F-35s. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. But uh but the final country here that we really didn't get into 
in detail was there there have been 230,000 documented civilian deaths in Syria and 14 million displaced people, roughly 6 to 7 million of whom wandered their way over to Europe. Mm -hmm. And again, that's America's fault. Yep. America has been arming the the, the, militar, the militarized forms of the Syrian opposition, the Syrian Democratic Council, whatever they call it, I forget. America has been arming them for the entire duration of the civil war. Well, I mean, the other the other obvious country is Afghanistan. Like, what have we been doing over there? Um, well, hell, we just outright invaded Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, we, now- we, in- we invaded that country. I mean, this, that's the problem. In a, in a one-hour show, it's hard to even keep track of all of the countries we've invaded, countries that we've upset or funded, like, one side of in a civil war. Right, and this is just post-2000. I mean, when we were were discussing doing the show, there were other ones with huge death tolls that, that got left out, like Vietnam. Of course, there was the bombing campaign in Laos that happened during that time, the American public wasn't aware of there were the american soldiers who were dragged behind vehicles in mogadishu there of course there's the korean war if you want to make that into an ideological war which i do think you could there's there's numerous examples right how many Um, how many people died during the iranian revolution which was a revolution against an american supported government yeah i was looking at afghanistan uh statistics somewhere around seventy thousand afghan military police deaths 46,000 Afghan civilians, although that is likely a significant underestimation. I was going to say that has to be a massive yeah. underestimate. Uh, 67, other interesting details, 67,000 people were killed in Pakistan in relation to the Afghan war. Because of course you have to spill over into other regions whenever you go and fuck. Well, yeah, them. because these, the, the borders of these, you know, this is actually one thing the left, you know, a sort of traditional anti-war leftist used to say all the time. That's very true is, that these borders really are totally arbitrary and don't matter mm-hmm. in these regions. And the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan cuts right through the middle of, I think they're the Pashtuns. Like it cuts right through the middle of their ethnic lands. Yeah. It's a totally art. And, and most of the time it's not even treated like a real border. They go back and forth. So people with, you know, people with guns and bombs yeah. and shit move across. So, the so that, that means that our, our footprint is always larger than it first appears to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, America was fighting a war in Vietnam, and it was also involved in Cambodia and Laos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there is no, like, limited conflict whenever it comes to the United States, or limited operation. No, absolutely not. I mean, the when America was involved in Iraq, there was uh, there were also military personnel and equipment staged in Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Bahrain and Kuwait. And yeah. It's just, I mean, it's yeah, even, whole, even the first these required war. networks. The first Gulf War was probably one of the more limited conflicts that we were engaged in. Even that had massive spillover. And, of course, we did things to that country for years afterwards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's another example of one of these conflicts that falls outside of our range, but it's an, it's an example of the same exact behavior. America has serialized this form of intervention. Yeah. And it... it I mean... <laughs> Essentially, five million deaths, four and a half to five million deaths, from all of these, uh, from all of these forced war. Yeah, I, I find myself more willing to accept that kind of figure if you just start to think about the sheer scale of, of U.S. military involvement, how many places we're in at the same time, the spillover, civilian casualties, just from disruption of the local economy, for example. Uh, 
because I mean, it's it's such a mess. It, approaching this is very difficult because it it feels like this is very kind of a shallow dive into what's actually some pretty deep territory, like regarding oh, direct well, we, casualties and then it, it, it would take three episodes to deconstruct the reports on Iraq, yeah. like to to decide okay, the everyone who died in the Kurdish region, they would have died fighting the Iraqi regime, like the, whereas the people in southern Iraq would have died in shock and awe because shock and awe didn't, as far as I'm aware, it didn't affect the Kurds who were U S allies. Like it would take for, it would take ages to actually properly deconstruct this. Yeah. The the core point is America goes around the world, mass murdering people. And the response of the political class is essentially, oops, they've, they've increasingly gotten good. It looks like it's sanitizing the internet. So you can't even find any discussion about how the United States is a terrorist state. Yeah, it looks like chatter about this was more common in the early 2000s than it is now. Oh, it's absolutely. Again, I my my last my, personally my last experience with large scale general anti war sentiment was the 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign, and, and Trump Trump did the same thing, right? He was he also the Iraq War was stupid kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and, he did more he did more of like a boomerism, like why, why are we wasting our money over there? Right, we didn't actually take it's the oil. Stupid. This um, is real dumb. Right. But that 2016 was the last time that I remember very actual serious anti. Now we are getting, we are getting a revival of that with younger people to do with Israel and Palestine. And it is very, it is very real, but I, I do not expect it to manifest in any sort of electoral way. I don't right, think, right. I do not think that the anti-war feeling of basically the, anti-Israel feeling of essentially everyone in America who is under the age of 30, I don't think that's going to play a role in the the upcoming election, for example. I don't think any... No one is going to not vote for Joe Biden because of what's going on in Israel. Yeah, and I don't know. That's that uh, the, the attention span of the American public is like a real constraining factor here. Because like I said, you know, the Iraq war was based on lies. Everybody knew it was based on a lie. It didn't seem to really have that many political repercussions going forward. Well, and, and then this is the other thing, actually, you've just touched on a brilliant point, which is that anytime the public does get invested in being upset about these things, some other crisis comes along. Mm-hmm. The, the, the peak of dissatisfaction with the Iraq war happened right as the financial crisis hit, if I'm not mistaken. And the American mm-hmm. economy, yep. the American economy is doing really shit right now. It, the Chinese economy is basically falling apart, which the European economy is already falling apart. We're staring down what is a potential global recession, and people aren't going to be invested in the Israel situation if they're losing their jobs. Right. And, of course, uh, even under worsening global economic conditions, the, the military players in the United States, they're going to get their check. Oh, the, the military budget won't shrink. It hasn't shrank no. in 80 fucking years. I mean, it, it shrank a bit after the war, and then because of the Cold War, it kept going up. There was like a two-year period when the Cold War ended where growth ceased, and but it, it grows by double digits every year still, since right. 1994 or whatever. That's not going to stop. Yeah. Joe Biden took office in his first year. He raised the military budget $50 billion. We are, we are two or three fiscal years away from having a trillion-dollar military budget in the United States. That is going to happen in within five years. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I sent you an article like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 
I forget the name of the guy. He's, he was a big policy person involved in different administrations, kind of seen as bipartisan. Um, big military industrial complex guy, but he was making an argument essentially that the United States really doesn't spend that much money uh, on the military relative to other things that we spend money on. It's not that much of our GDP, you know. It takes uh, up 50% of the discretionary budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is I'm like, but what about relative to other countries and how they allocate their finances? Like, you look, at, look at your percentages versus, I don't know, England or somewhere. Or again. Or Russia or China. The, or even China. The discretionary budget, like remove Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. That's all non-discretionary. That gets paid for no matter what happens. When you look at the discretionary budget that Congress looks at every year and, you know, divvies up the pie and it allocates it, the military is 50% of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you yeah. mean it's not relatively that much? It's almost a trillion, $894 billion. Yeah, and the, one of the, the interesting things about that piece was that, I mean, of course, it was just nothing but military-industrial complex uh, propaganda, but he was arguing that the biggest issue is entitlement spending for stuff like, you know, Medicare, Social Security, like that's the boondoggle. But meanwhile, military spending, we need more of that. That's, that's a, that's a good thing to do. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> pays off dividends. Sorry, grandma, we're cutting off your social security check so we can buy another F-35 from yeah. fucking Raytheon or whoever makes the damn thing. Boeing. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, I don't know. We could do an entire episode on that subject alone because it's interesting that some of these contractors all they do is military contracting they're not even really it's not like at least boeing has civilian aircraft but a lot of these other corporations they exclusively do military contracts and that kind of raises the question of like well why not just nationalize them because they're not even functioning like they're part of a free market like you you basically put in a request that I, i want such and such a military vehicle and what three or four different corporations bid on it if like, they even bother to bid, bidding isn't all that common. Right. Or just, you know, I would just awarded it to Raytheon or whoever. Like, right. that's not how a free market works. And the, the real question is, like, how many of these defense contractors would be above water if they weren't supported by all of this uh, defense spending? Virtually none of them, to my understanding. I mean, and you're right, we could do an entire episode on just the way that the military-industrial complex interacts with the Pentagon. Yeah. It is, it is uh, absolutely the remark, but we have hit our, uh, again, keeping to tradition, we've hit our, our stop points. So Was there anything else, Alex? No, I think we've made a very good case. The United States is the biggest terror state on the planet. I, I would agree. Also the biggest arms merchant on the planet. The United States yes, is merchant, up and down every sidewalk in the world <laughs> with its <laughs> little cart. Push cart full of military industrial complex, and it's uh, killing homeless people. <laughs> oh, look, a small Arab state. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> With Israel barking at the side the whole time. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Israel, Israel is the dog. <laughs> it looked like a threat to my dog. So I... Oh, my God. <laughs> threat to my dog. I swear, officer, I was worried for the life of my dog. Yeah. Dog's life is in jeopardy. Homeless man threw a shoe and it almost landed on my dog, so I had to fucking pop a cap in his ass. Yeah, exactly. All right, all righty. Well, we'll see everyone next time.